Book of Jeremiah, verse number 1 of the 29th chapter says this, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, to the priests and the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so he's talking to people who are not where they want to be in a circumstance that they would not ever choose for themselves. They are in a difficult and trying circumstance, having been carried away by a foreign army to a different land. And then it gives some history here. After that, the Jeconiah, the king, and the queen of the eunuchs, and the princes of Judah, and Jerusalem, and the carpenters of the Smiths were departed from Jerusalem. So, from princes, you know, to paupers, they were carried away out of the city. By the hands of Elisa, and the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying. Now, here's a message that God wants His people to hear. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Now, this is an interesting uh, set of advice for these people. Build you houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take you wives and beget sons and daughters. And give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there, and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in that peace, for in the peace thereof, shall you have peace. And then verse number 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Our Heavenly Father, I pray in these next few moments that, Lord, we share together the church family around Your Word. Uh, the Lord, that we could learn from this, this story of history. Lord, how You ask a group of people in a difficult circumstance to be happy and to be content, to be thankful. And Lord, tonight I, I pray that we could apply that to our life situation as well, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Th thank you for standing. Gratitude and thankfulness are both really good and actually necessary graces in the Christian life. If we're going to navigate life as uh, Christians ought to navigate life, then we really can't do that apart from being thankful, for being, um, from recognizing God's goodness in our lives and what He has done for us. And we ought to have a, a spirit of rejoicing and happiness about us because the Lord has done so much for us. And that gratitude should be manifest and should manifest itself in expressions of appreciations, you know, to God, perhaps in praise and prayer. And then we ought to be thankful to those who've been a help to us and a blessing. As I think back on this past year, people have been a help to me. I'm sure people have been a help to you. And when you and I are recipients of even an expression of help, then we ought to make sure that we return that with gratitude and thankfulness. But you know, genuine gratitude goes beyond the thank you note, and that's an appropriate place to start, or even that note of appreciation. But real thankfulness is something that is manifest in the way we live. I might say this, real thankfulness rests. It finds peace. Um, I'll use this word. Genuine thankfulness manifests itself 
by showing contentedness. It does not expect nor require more to be happy. Maybe the best way to say it is gratitude results in a contented life that shows an ongoing happiness and it rejoices in the things that it does possess, it does have. You know, ever since the beginning of creation, when the first creatures were formed by the hand of God, there have always been those, someone somewhere, who has been unhappy with their position and place in the universe. It all started with Lucifer, the grandest and most beautiful of God's created beings at that time. The brightest star in the firmament was not satisfied. Now think about that. He was not satisfied to be the apex of God's creation. Strangely enough, in his exalted position, Lucifer wanted, and here's the word, he wanted more. <laughs> Can you imagine? This, this creature that was made to reflect the Shekinah glory of God, you know, uh, emeralds and gems were part of him, pipes, you know, emanated from his body, the, the music, the glory, the light, you know, if anything, there should have been this incredible sense of humility. But that's not what was there. Lucifer wanted more. He wanted more than he had. He wanted more than his place. He wanted more than the beauty that he possessed. Simply said, he was discontent. He was unthankful. His discontentment caused him to lead a rebellion against his Creator, and it wasn't finished until one-third of the heavenly host had fallen. And of course, we know there his discontentment spread. That thankfulness, uh, that thankless condition um, affected him. It transformed him. In that, that time, he was Lucifer. But that, and this is what happens to us in a way that when you're not thankful, it changes you. It transforms you into something ugly, something dangerous, something despicable. And so Lucifer become Satan and or the devil. And he has been at work ever since to spread his rebellious discontentment to all those who would hear it and receive it, which comes quite readily and naturally to a fallen sinful heart. Discontentment, lack of thankfulness, made him fall. And discontentment has been one of his chief tools to steal the joy away from us, of course, in the knowledge of God. One of his earliest triumphs came in the Garden of Eden when he persuaded Adam and Eve. Now again, I want you to think about this. He persuaded them that they needed more when they had everything. I mean, he persuaded people. Now, I just wanted you to get this for your sake. He persuaded two people who literally had everything. Perfect bodies, perfect health, perfect intellect, um, a perfect environment, perfect homes, perfect relationship. They had want and need of nothing. Climate control was probably there in the Garden of Eden. You know, not hot nor cold. I mean, they literally had everything. And it wasn't enough. The devil whispered in their ear and said, you could have more. There's a knowledge you could possess. There's a likeness you could possess. And, and they believed the lie. And the seed of discontentment uh, was created in their heart. And then, of course, unfortunately, has been passed on to every single one of us. Ever since then, humanity has struggled to be happy and content and to be thankful. We always want more. We fail 
uh, to, 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 to just be happy with what we have. We, we feel like we deserve more. Can anybody here relate to the phrase, it's not fair? You know, and I often say, you don't want fair. You know, we want God's mercy. We're grateful for His grace. We want His mercy. We don't want fair anywhere in life. But that's, that's the way our heart is. We, we, we think we want fair. You know, we fight and fuss and we'll do whatever we can in life to often to get more of what we already have plenty of. We want more, more attention. If someone would just pay attention to me, if they just knew what I did, if they just knew how much I gave, if they, just, if they just knew these things about me, people want more attention. They want more recognition. They want more stuff. One of the most thriving businesses in America today is the mini storage. And if you're looking for a way to put your money, you know, buy a mini storage because people always want more stuff in a place to store their stuff. When it won't fit in their house, they put it in their garage. When they put it in their garage, it'll fit in the shed. When it won't fit in the shed, they go get mini storages. And that's just the way it works. We want more power, more money. We want more, bigger, better. And that is the objective that often drives humanity. And when more or better is held without of our reach, we become unhappy and unthankful and discontent. Being robbed of the joy of really, if we would look at it, of having enough. It seems we always want something different than what we have. It's just the way we are. Think about this. Some of you teenagers, when we are younger, we want to be what? Older. <laughs> I can't wait till I'm 16. I can't wait till I'm 21. After that, it kind of goes downhill. But anyway, um, you know, when we're younger, we want to be older. And then I'm not quite near that, there yet, but I'm thinking about it. When you get older, you want to be what? Yeah. Or at least for your joints not to hurt. That'd be plenty. <laughs> If just the joints wouldn't hurt, that would be enough. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be content with that. When what we have grows worn, well, then we want something new. Um, if we have $100, we want two. If we have $200, we want five. If we live in an apartment, we want a house. If we have a house, we want a bigger house. If we have a job, we like to have a better job. And, you know, it just kind of goes on and on and on. Now, you know, I, I wouldn't confuse you with the idea of, you know, contentment and complacency. Those are not the same things. Christians, whatever their hand finds to do, they should do it with all their might. Christians should work hard. They should aspire, you know, to do something with their life, to make a difference for the Lord. You know, we, we ought to all want to make a contribution. But here's the deal. Hard work and good character will get those things for you. You don't have to worry about them. They will come to those who work hard and give their effort. And then if it doesn't, the Lord has maybe something different, but that God is not a debtor. There's a principle of law at work in our world, and, it's, and I'll get to the moment, it's the law of sowing and reaping. But discontentment is really a complaint against God. And I'm going to suggest in a moment, it might be better directed at yourself rather than your circumstances. Uh, we should do our best. But disadvantages, or discontentedness rather, is selfishness. It's, 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 a, it's a way of blaming God for our circumstances. Envy, covetousness, complaint, anger, need for recognition, attention. These are all things of pride and discontentedness. They all drive us to be terrible people and often to do terrible things. The discontented person always looks around and says, why did this happen to me? I deserve more. Life should be better to me. 
a discontented, unthankful person, here's, here's the tragedy. They can't enjoy what they do have. They can't enjoy the beauty of the day. They, they can't enjoy the measure of health that they have. You know, everything is uh, subjective. You know, we're just, con- we're just conditioned as people to a certain level of expectation. But there are people who will never have what we have. And as bad as someone's health may be, I suppose it could always be worse, you know, relatively speaking. And so when we worry and fuss and complain, we're, we're, ro- we're not, it's just that we don't we want something more, but we're robbing ourselves of the joy of what we presently have. And, and that's, that's just a travesty. It's all a lie. It's all deceptive. It all robs us of what God wants us to have and to be. It makes us poor. Wanting never makes you richer. It only just makes you poor. And so, just very quickly, I want you to consider a couple of thoughts, and, and then we'll be finished, and we'll move on. There's some truths about this idea of contentedness and its link to thankfulness that I want us to consider. And the first one is this, and I've, I would have preached this thought many times here at Eastland Baptist Church, but I, I think it bears repeating, and the thought is this. All of us are where we are for a reason. Now, we don't like that because that has the, the feel of responsibility to it. Um, the consequences of decisions that we've made in the past. And that's exactly right. Now, that's not, you know, there's other variables in life. And the equation of life has many, like an algebraic equation. There's lots of things that might factor in there. But I'm here to tell you there's a variable in the equation of life and your destiny and where you are and its destination is we often find ourselves on the road that we traveled down. Not always, but very often um, we find ourselves on the road that we have traveled down. The background and context of Jeremiah 29 for Judah here we're talking about and this captivity uh, was because of Judas and then Israel before that who fell to Assyria of their long and continued disobedience to God. Uh, there was a covenant between God's people and, and, and the Lord and they continually broke it and, and they wouldn't wholeheartedly serve Him. They weren't faithful to Him. They, they, they were involved in idolatry. They, they had troubles being good people. They, they were involved in extortion and they took advantage of the vulnerable in, the, in, the, in their population. And in, in every way, as a culture, they were morally and religiously broken. And God was gracious for over hundreds and thousands of years. He, he, he sent His prophets to them. And he appealed for them to do better. Jeremiah, one of them at the very, very end here before they fell. And, and he sent these prophets to them and said, you know, come back to the Lord and do right. And he was, he was patient with them. And yet they would not listen. They would not hearken. And, you know, it's like the parent, he says, you know, don't, don't get too close to the edge of that. You know, maybe, you know, like this little creek, don't get too close to that. Don't get too close to that. And the kid does. And then, you know, boom, they fall in. It's like you try, you try, you try. But at some points, consequences kick in. You know, for me, it was don't stick the bobby pin in the light socket. Don't stick the bobby pin in the light socket. And I suffered the, the consequences of my actions. It's still in my brain today. I would have had hair if not for that moment. I'm persuaded of it. They were there for a reason. But it didn't mean God didn't want to bless them there. It's not that He wouldn't have lifted and He did. They were there for a reason. They had driven themselves down that highway. 
They had been on that highway for a long time and there were signs marked all the way down it. Don't do this. Do a U-turn. Turn around. You know, repent. Come back. And they just didn't. And so all of a sudden they're complaining, why are, we in, why are we in captivity in Babylon? Because you went there. You chose to. That was a choice that you made as a nation, as a people, and as an individual. We are often where we are. And, you know, of course, I'm, I'm in the negative side of that. Conversely, you go down a, a road of blessing, which is what God wants for us. Well, then we can be in a completely different place. We can be in a place of blessing and happiness and joy. And it, it's, it's, it's where we want to drive in life so often. But so often, because the hardness of heart and poor choices and offenses towards God, you know, like these people, well, they wound up in 70 years of captivity. But it's not what the Lord wanted for them. So in this captivity now, Jeremiah comes to them through Jeremiah and he says, I want you to listen, I have some words for you here in this difficult situation where you might just be tempted to complain, which was a historic problem for Israel. He says, I want you to understand that you're here for a reason. You're here because of your choices. Very often in life, we live where we live because we chose to live there. We live in a world of sowing and reaping. Good for good and evil for evil. And again, I know life's more complicated than that, but that's in play always. Something we need to realize in life that often it is the situation, the state we're in is because of the choices. When you, when you take choices and you add them up to their sum over the course of a day, weeks, months, and years, well, there, there's, a, there's a final sum there. Okay, so here's the thing. So let me, let me extract you from the equation for a moment. Because that may be too personal. Eastland Baptist Church. Eastland Baptist Church. Okay. Um, I a thousand percent understand God's blessing here. Okay. At the same time, I understand this. We are, we are, we are where we are because of what we've done in the last year, and the year before, and the five years before, and the ten years before. 30 and 40 and whatever else. This church is what it is and where it's at, not because of just today or yesterday or last week, but because of a sum of a set of choices that this church body has made over a long period of time. Now, see, I, 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 I don't know what could be, but I'm pretty happy with this. You know, so part of my job and my encouragement is let's keep doing what's right. Let's, let, let's stay on the same road. Let's not deviate off the path. You know, let's, let's do those things that have led to this kind of joy and happiness and, and goodness in so many ways. In other words, there's a road here and we need to stay on it. And, and I understand that and I think everyone here understands that. Another thought to consider is we are where we are for a reason, which is really connected. We're there because God's he placed these people here. He placed those people there. Look at me in verse 4. And this is, God makes this super clear. Because there are people, no doubt, who, who didn't believe that this was God's doing. Thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, said the God of Israel unto all that are carried away captive. Now let's look at this phrase. Whom I have caused to be carried away. Well, Babylon did this. Yes, they did at God's direction. Or God's allowance. However you want to reconcile that with your theology, here's the deal. God was involved in it. God was part of this. You know, Babylon didn't do anything contrary to what God wanted done. You know, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And so this, this guy, you know, Nebuchadnezzar did all this 
at the grand design and sovereignty and orchestration, you know, of our God. We are where we are, often because God, this is where God wants us to be. Um, it's clear in the text that God allowed Babylon to carry them there. Behind the Babylonian army, in a way, was God Himself, working out and orchestrating His plans and purposes to accomplish what He wanted. The truth is, some of us need to reconcile as we are where we are because of the providence of God. There's just some things bigger than us. There's just some things that happen because God's ways are higher than our ways. And God just wants us to experience what we're experiencing evidently for a reason. That's why it's so silly to blame circumstances. Like, that's so silly. It's like blaming the weather for raining. Like, it's just bigger than us. This, this doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's so wrong to complain. If we want to complain, you know, we might want to just look at the mirror and see where we're, where we're at. But just to complain is probably most likely to defeat the very purpose that God brought you where, you, where He brought you. And it's most likely to serve only to pro prolong your captivity. And I, I promise you this, if you don't stop complaining, you'll never be free. You'll never, and I don't care what happens, you'll never be free of heart. So that's just silly. The truth is, we are where we are because God has at least allowed us to be there. Um, life is bigger. There's things we need to understand. Psalm 69, a man's heart devises his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Everything in this universe is either caused by God or allowed by God. Now, I'm going to assume those are really the same thing, but I can't understand all that, so that's just the way I'm going to say it. In other words, God's in control. I, I can say that. There is no third option than, other than God being in control. So, it's important to understand, since that is true, that when we can't, I, so often I just, this is just true, when we can't control what's happening out there, there is one thing I can control, and that's what's happening in here. And maybe that's the whole reason God has me in a place that I can't control what's out here. Because that's the only way He's going to get me to finally look in here. If I can continue to manipulate my, envir manipulate my environment, I might not really work on manipulating my heart. And that's what He wants. I don't know. There's something I need to learn, a character trait I need to develop. Perseverance, courage, strength, resolve, empathy. I mean, the list is, is, is replete. To understand, to grow, to change, to be strengthened, to be humbled. How about, I'm just going to do, I'm going to go this in a good way for God's glory. Or maybe for somebody else's benefit, even at my sacrifice. How about this? Whatever your state is tonight, um, Try to be thankful for it. Apostle Paul, thorn the flesh three times. Take it away, take it away, take it away. No, it's there for a reason, Paul. It's, it's, it's the messenger of Satan to buffet you so you won't be exalted above measure. You're pretty talented. Your intellect's great. I'm going to use you in a great way. This is the check I have for you. This is how you stay a man of God. And so Paul said, hey, if that's the truth, I will barely think I rejoice in my circumstances. I'll take joy in my distresses. Now, that's a stretch for us. But it's only because our theology might be a little off. Our faith may be just too small. We need to learn to trust the Lord. You know, so the, the positive side of this is we need to make the most out of life's present circumstances. It's so obvious. So that's what he says in verses 5 and 6. I love this. It's just, you know, 
Um, we're thinking, how do we get out of here? You know, take away the thorn in the flesh. Get me out of Babylon. And God says, no, no, no. I have you here at Eastland Baptist Church. That's your job, your neighborhood, your city, your school. Here's what I want you to do there. I want you to build your houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit. Take your wives and beget sons and daughters. He says, I want you to live. I want you to make the most out of your present set of circumstances. Make the most of it. This is the day the Lord hath made. I don't know if it's a rainy day, sunny day, bad day, windy day. It doesn't make any difference. This is the day. This is the life. This is my lot for today. The best way to improve it is not by starting to reconstruct it out there, but reconstruct it in here. And be thankful. Because then your world might, on the outside might change out there as well once you get that thing right. How about just the old cliche? Bloom where you're planted. But the grass is always greener on the other side. Not if you water your side. Sometimes it's really that simple. It's just water your side. Do something more for you and your family and your lot and the church or whatever else. In a hard situation, you used to decide. You have, it's, it's a dichotomy of decisions. It, it, you know, it, there's two. Get to work or complain. Which one's going to be more productive? Mope or smile? Live miserably or press on in joy and go forward? Um, we just have to decide what we're going to do. Are we going to live for today or always be looking, you know, for Friday, which is the horrible way to live? Are we going to be content or are we going to be selfish? All of us need to stop playing the if only game. If only this, then if only that, and if only this. It's not, life doesn't work that way. Bloom where you're planted. Build your houses, dwell on them. Um, you need to make the most of the circumstances that we have. And then the final set of instructions here is just, you know, pray about it. Pray for peace, pray for happiness, pray for joy. When, when, when you've done all you can do and it's still a struggle, then there's a grace that God gives to help us become the better person and to be content with what our circumstances are. And that's just pray. Because here's the great truth. God has a plan and design. Verse 11. And Romans says it differently, but everything works together for our good. And that's the truth we need to understand tonight. There's things in my life I'm not happy about <clears throat> exactly. But I'm going to accept them the best I can with a joyful spirit. And you know what? That, that means today will be better, and tomorrow will be too, and my life will be better. And, and, and I want that for all of us, and more importantly, that's what God wants for all of us.